So remember that season we did a couple years ago about Cleveland, Ohio, trying to become the blockchain capital of the world? Of course, of course. It was right here in my hometown. And to be honest, I thought it was really a, a novel story at the time. Recently, it's been a bit disappointing to see some of those characters we features have gone on to become, you know, groveling heads. But <laughs> however, those same ambitions uh, to be the, the destination for blockchain companies and developers are popping up again in cities like Miami, New York, Los Angeles. And this time they're actually starting local currencies on a blockchain as part of their initiatives and they're raising millions of dollars. Is that even legal? Kind of. I mean, not not really, but it might be fine. <laughs> so it's a lot of untested waters that are raising questions about what the future holds for how cities are managed and how we can build trust back into these institutions. While a blockchain may help with some of the transparency, I agree, from what I've seen so far, there's a lot of showboating and not a lot of actual problem solving happening. Yeah, yeah. So today, as we begin to wrap up our 11th season antitrust on Rocketship.fm, we've talked a lot about how technology is aided in an erosion of trust on a national level. We're going to explore how some local politicians are approaching governance in this new age and see if technology can help us or hinder us in rebuilding trust in our local institutions. And I hear we even have a mayoral candidate on the show. That's right. That's right. So here's a quick preview, and we're going to run this in the back half of the episode when we speak with Asher Luzado, who's running for mayor of Los Angeles. At some point, we have to ask, what is our money for? Is it to support corporations or is it to support community? And don't corporations have enough? At what point can we say you have enough business? We now need to build back a local economy or none of us will have an economy to look forward to. All right, then this is going to be a good one. Let's roll that intro. Welcome to Rocketship.fm. Rocketship FM is produced in partnership with Product Collective. We are your hosts, Michael Saka, and I'm Mike Belsito. This episode is sponsored by Porkbun.com. Porkbun is a refreshingly different domain name registrar that's different from the other ones like GoDaddy or Namecheap. They've got low prices on hundreds of different domain extensions. They've got everything from .com domains to really cool ones like .pro, .dev, .xyz. Every domain name at Porkbun comes with tons of freebies too, like SSL certificate, who is privacy, DNS, URL forwarding, and hosting trials. Because why pay for things that should be free, right? All these incredible features and tools are backed by incredible support, 365 days a year, and more five-star reviews on Trustpilot from real customers than anyone else. Look, you can get a dollar off your next domain name from Porkbun and see why they're the best domain name register around by using our code. Just go to porkbun.com forward slash rocketchipfm24. That's porkbun, P-O-R-K-B-U-N dot com forward slash rocketchipfm24. You'll save a dollar on your next domain. This episode is supported by Trustonomy, an original podcast from OneTrust. Every good relationship you have, personal or business, it involves trust. But we all know that trust doesn't just happen, right? We've all lost trust in a friend or a brand or a product. 
Trustonomy is a new podcast that looks at true stories from the past to understand how trust works and what makes it stronger and how to rebuild it when it's broken. Now, you know, I'm a sucker for a good podcast that weaves historical stories and relates it to what's happening today. So I thoroughly enjoyed this Trustonomy episode and recommend that you check that out as well. Search for Trustonomy in your podcast player. We'll also include a link in the show notes. Many thanks to the One Trust team for their support. As artificial intelligence continues to revolutionize our world, there's a critical conversation that we can't ignore. AI safety and security. And that's where HackerOne's AI red teaming comes into play, rigorously testing AI models to prevent them from being misled or exploited. With over 750 specialized hackers in their community, HackerOne isn't just theorizing. They're actively safeguarding AI's future. Just recently, a team unearthed over 100 vulnerabilities in just two weeks. So whether you're at the helm of a startup or steering product innovation at a large organization, it's time to prioritize AI security. Visit HackerOne.com slash AI dash safety dash security. Again, HackerOne.com slash AI dash safety dash security. So you mentioned that we'll be discussing some local politicians today. That's right. But we're going to leave Bernie Moreno out of this, who, <laughs> by the way, is currently running for office on a platform of stopping socialism and cracking down on China for the people of Ohio. I don't even know what to say. I'm going to leave all that alone, Michael. <laughs> OK. All right. Anyway, I wanted to take a look at how technology is changing local governments and what the future could look like for cities if we allow it. You must be talking about the Miami coin then. OK. Well, let's start there. The mayor is betting that Miami coin will set the city up for that lofty long term goal. The cryptocurrency was born out of a project with a nonprofit called City Coins. According to its founders, anyone can download the software, hop on a computer to mint those new coins. The miner keeps 70% of the profits and the rest goes straight to the city's wallet. And Shep, like other cryptocurrencies, Miami Coin also trades on an exchange so people can invest in it. This one hit an all time high of just around five cents. It is the first and so far the only test case of this idea. But since August, the cryptocurrency has brought in just over $10 million for Miami. That's more than three times what officials say they forecasted. The figure is closer to $19 million today. Now, the Miami coin, like most city initiatives, feels like it's it's actually already behind the times, even though it's trying to be ahead in terms of technology. Yeah, it's, it's like Bitcoin-based, right? Yeah, and honestly, who even uses Bitcoin for this stuff anymore? But it's built on a platform called Stacks, which purports to enable DeFi, NFTs, apps, and smart contracts for Bitcoin, which aren't native to Bitcoin. Stacks is a proprietary blockchain itself that's built to interact with the Bitcoin blockchain. And this type of technology was actually what pushed Vitalik Buterin to develop Ethereum because Bitcoin was too clunky for the network of smart contracts he envisioned. So it already feels legacy now that we have blockchains like Ethereum, Solana, Avalanche, and many more that are able to actually offer performance and native solutions here. Yeah, another issue is that the city itself isn't in control of the coin. They've simply agreed to be the beneficiary of it. Here's Miami Mayor Francis Suarez during an interview with Coindesk.tv. Well, like I said, we don't control uh, Miami coin. 
Uh, but I would like to see it on more exchanges. In fact, I'd like to see it on all exchanges. Uh, and, and obviously, the more exchanges that it's on, the more it benefits the city because the more that it's bought and sold and the more that it's mined and the more that it generates for the city. So I personally would like to see it on every single exchange on the planet, if I could. Uh, and certainly, we're going to continue to push uh, the, the powers that be to do that because we think that that's the right thing to do and that creates ubiquity, that creates more liquidity, more transactions, um, and more mi mining proceeds for the city. So that's something that I'd like to see, for sure. But unlike decentralized cryptocurrencies such as Bitcoin, this protocol, or the powers that be, it's administered by a private company, Stacks, a for-profit Delaware-registered corporation. Decisions like the proportion of funds reserved for the city, they could therefore be changed at any time if Stack business models shift. The city admittedly has little control over the project. With so much talent apparently moving to Miami these days, it's odd that this wouldn't be a project created and maintained by the local tech community itself, which would actually increase trust in the initiative. Yeah, it kind of feels like one of those things that's, uh, I don't know, like a flash-in-the-pan PR stunt, uh, not a long-term local currency. Yeah, because there is actually a long history of local currencies in the United States, so this isn't a new concept by any means. The, the only thing new is kind of this this blockchain tokenization digital tokenization of it but they actually became popular during the great depression as a means of boosting and supporting local economies and recently there was even a small town in washington that was printing their own currency to combat the effects the ongoing pandemic and lockdowns are having on the local economy and to encourage people to shop locally yeah the tenino wooden dollars which can be used only in tenino washington they developed this as a form of basic income to support people People in their community who were struggling and the caveat was that the money had to be spent locally thus the tenino wooden dollars and these wooden dollars originated to solve the same problem during the great depression in fact they're printed today on the same machines used to print them nearly a hundred years ago so this notion of a local currency it's not anything new i think there have been local currencies in 41 of the 50 u.s states and while they tend to come and go, there have been several hundred of them in the past century. A whole piece of history I honestly had no idea about until we started researching this episode. But now, Miami coin isn't the only city coin in development currently. There's also a New York coin, an Austin coin, and their mayors are all locked in this PR battle to capitalize on it. And more on that after a quick break. Okay, so Miami, New York, Austin, they've all adopted Stack City Coin protocol, and they all have coins now that can be purchased on open exchanges. The mining on this bothers me for some reason. It's like a proof of transfer mechanism where miners send the Stacks coin or STX, which is like a proprietary Stacks coin, and then they receive Miami coin in return. And then there's like stackers who stake their Miami coin and receive stacks coin in return and then 30 percent of the mining rewards are sent in stx to the city wallet and then the city can do whatever they like with those funds apparently no one's claimed it yet but that's the idea and then this is all built on top of bitcoin so you've got like three currencies floating around here it feels a bit convoluted really heavily reliant on this proprietary stacks coin instead of the local currency that it's actually supporting it could actually be cool if this was maybe a dow something like that yeah yeah absolutely Absolutely. The problem is right now that the city alone can decide what to do with the funds and it's solely at the city's discretion. People already don't trust that politicians or governing institutions can or will properly use our tax dollars. 
why would they want to trust them with this new multi-million dollar <laughs> crypto slush fund? It's a good point. It's a good point. But if they did take it a step further and say made it a DAO or, or at least some form of DAO as it wouldn't be completely decentralized, the people would have a say in how the funds are actually used and they could actually vote on how to spend it. Right. Then the ownership of the coin would have an intrinsic value as kind of your weight in the vote. And of course, there are all kinds of things to figure out. Should people who don't live in the city be able to vote on initiatives? But with some form, the cities could start to give people a voice in what initiatives are taken, not just who we elect to make the decisions. It makes a lot of sense. An incredible opportunity for local politicians to use technology to build back the trust that's been lost by you know, the perceived and oftentimes justified misuse uh, or allocation of our tax dollars, which is one of the big jobs that we trust them with and why we elect them. We actually had an idea like this when I lived in San Diego. This is during the infancy of Bitcoin, so it wasn't crypto-based, but we wanted to allow people to post projects publicly, things like fixing a sidewalk or an art installation or a new spot for a, a bench, and allow people to scan a QR code and actually donate to make that project happen. Um, we never got it off the ground, but it did stir up some excitement within City Hall when we pitched it. And I've seen similar apps where people can report issues like potholes and broken signs directly to the city as a way of indicating the importance for a fix. So it feels like these city coins, they really do miss the mark on building trust and community, given that there doesn't appear to be like a guided thesis or any oversight on how these funds will be used. And the coin itself isn't developed or maintained or even owned by the city it's supposed to benefit. Yeah, just sort of feels really gimmicky. Yeah, kind of like taking a paycheck in cryptocurrency. Breaking news, breaking news, breaking news. The mayor of Miami just announced that he is going to take 100% of his next paycheck in Bitcoin. Just a few minutes ago, I tweeted and I said, it is time. Who is going to be the first American politician to accept their salary in Bitcoin? And of course, this is like a layup of layups for the man, the myth, the legend, Francis Suarez of Miami. He said, I'm going to take my next paycheck 100% in Bitcoin. Problem solved. And then he tagged the CIO of Miami, said, can you help? Who, by the way, the CIO of Miami, Mike Sorosti, already is taking a portion of his salary in Bitcoin as well. But now we have the mayor of Miami going all in, committing to take 100% of his next paycheck in Bitcoin. This has massive ramifications, in my opinion. First, we now have a sitting U.S. politician who has some level of national notoriety, who has committed to take a portion, in this case, 100% of his paycheck, in Bitcoin. Ugh, yeah, that was a clip from Anthony Pompliano's YouTube channel. Again, a cool PR stunt for Bitcoin and to show that Miami is crypto-friendly, but it doesn't really go much farther than that. It doesn't actually solve a problem for the city. But how could cities use these funds in a way that would provide value back to the city and build trust within the local communities. I spoke with Los Angeles mayoral candidate Asher Luzado about his platform and how he views technology as a force for good. I think we've finally reached a place in our political history where innovation is, is not just needed but desired. And most people that I talk to now legitimately believe that we need an option outside of the, the two poles. And I'm here to be that option. More from my talk with Asher after a quick break.
Welcome back. Before the break, we're hearing from Los Angeles mayoral candidate Asher Lozado about his platform and how he sees technology playing a part in how he would govern. We as a government will embrace technology as a means of doing justice. Um, I think we've reached a place politically where our inability to implement technology-based solutions is causing harm. And harm can manifest many ways, and one of the ways is waste. The amount of resources, time, and energy we spend on paperwork and bureaucracy that can be easily made into technology is a shame because those resources could be allocated towards real impact, direct impact. And so we, we can't just look at this as a, uh, a technology or it has to be a technology plus government. Technology is going to take on all the bureaucratic roles that government used to serve and allow people who formerly were bureaucrats to, to um, reorient themselves towards direct impact and service. And as a part of his platform, he does have a proposal for an Angelus coin, much like the Miami coin we've been discussing in the episode. So we're actually doing a, a coin for a campaign that will mirror what we intend to do in government. And so we're right now building a cryptocurrency called the Common Ground Coin. It's being developed by a, a team that's, that's very capable of producing something uh, impactful. And we'll release that over the next few weeks. And uh, that coin will effectively serve as a campaign finance and service tool, meaning we will give coin to people for serving food to the homeless, picking up trash, joining our community walks, volunteering in the campaign, assisting the community in whatever ways they might want to assist the community, and in ultimately raising awareness for our campaign. So people who uh, want to join the podcast will give them crypto. People who um, do anything for the campaign or for the community will be able to earn crypto. And uh, we will also bring in people who are willing to accept the crypto. So for example, people who, we, we just talked to somebody on Sunday that's a therapist and she said, hey, look, I'll, I'll accept your crypto for, for therapy. I mean, if that's a way that I can contribute to the community and the campaign, I'll do it. So if somebody, you know, spends three days picking up trash and they earn enough crypto, I'll take that crypto and serve them. And so we're gonna create an ecosystem here in the campaign itself where we incentivize service and build value around a coin that builds value in the community. And we discussed how this Angelus coin could facilitate a local universal basic income or UBI, which is something that we've actually been very interested here on Rocketship FM over the last few years. Well, I think UBI is a really, really interesting concept. A lot of people are thinking about it. Um, the way that I'm thinking about UBI is a targeted crypto payment that basically can have some restrictions around it so that the the money ends up staying in the local economy. So it's one thing to give somebody $2,000 a month and have them spend it on whatever. But if that money ends up getting spent only on Amazon, Target, and FedEx, then it's not ultimately going back into the community it was intended to serve. 
And so um, I think we saw this, frankly, with with the the COVID checks, where people got checks from the federal government, but then all of the local businesses were closed. And so the only places to spend that money were in the multinational corporations whose stocks increased exponentially through the pandemic while local businesses closed or struggled through it. And so we had this wealth disparity increasing at a time when people could have easily supported their local economies. So I think we can use UBI to build back local economies and say, okay, we're going to give you $2,000 a month. You can spend it on rent, food, clothing, whatever you want. But we also are going to restrict some of the other things to local businesses. So if you're going to buy food, we want it to be bought from a local grocer. I mean, you know, you're going to get some pushback, obviously, from, from big corporations, of course. But at some point, we have to ask, what is our money for? Is it to support corporations or is it to support community? And don't corporations have enough? At what point can we say you have enough business? We now need to build back a local economy or none of us will have an economy to look forward to. So for me, UBI is an amazing opportunity to build back local strength. And, uh, and we can talk about the different ways of doing that, but, but uh, I think it's possible. The notion here that the Angelus coin would support local businesses through a UBI program is fascinating and, and it's compelling. It's much closer to the to Nino Wooden Dollars initiative than <laughs> than probably the Miami coin and the New York coin and coins like that. Yeah, it's really cool. And it reminds me of the economist Bernard Leotard, whose work on the economics of cooperative or alternative currencies and how cooperative currencies can actually help to strengthen both local and national economies when properly leveraged. Uh, we won't go too deep there, but I don't know, maybe we'll explore it in an upcoming season. And finally, you discuss something that's on the top of a lot of our minds lately, and not just because Eminem is buying bored apes, <laughs> and that's art. I think we're, we're reaching a stage in, in human history that is post-production, meaning we now have systems and machines that can produce the things that we need. And we have systems that are getting close to producing even housing that we need. So prefab, modular, 3D printing, they're at our doorstep. And so we can't pretend like an economy will be based on manufacturing and production in the ways that, that it used to be. And we're seeing, we're seeing this happen really fast, I think especially through COVID with the metaverse and with blockchain and, and crypto and NFTs. And I mean, the, the, the world is moving into this digital space. And I think it's a collective consciousness thing too. I think it's an intelligence that understands we can't, the economy can't be based on physical consumption anymore. You know, we, we don't have enough physical resources globally to produce the kind of, of lives that, that we might think, um, you know, our, our grandparents might have thought would have been worth living with a bunch of stuff and books and furniture and lights and stuff. And so we need to get more comfortable with less stuff and with more expression. And I think that's a, a beautiful journey for humanity to come through is, is we're now reaching a place of philosophy, spirituality, experience, expression, art, music, 
that renaissance is waiting for us. Whether we get there or not, I think is 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 a function of our political systems, frankly, being open to it um, and not trying to consistently return to something in the past. You know, build back better. Why not build forward better? Right, make America great again. Trying constantly pointing the arrow backward, like there was something better behind us than than, than in front of us. And um, I think young people are very attuned to this. I think one one of the major issues it, we we talk about in our campaign is the average voter in Los Angeles is fifty nine years old. Only eight percent of people under thirty five are voting. So it's no wonder that we have the political leadership we have uh, with the political values that we have. So uh, for me, it, it's really about reorienting young people towards politics in a way that's inspiring, that shows them a renaissance ahead, not destruction ahead. And of course, we have crises, absolutely. But it's actually leaning into the renaissance that will help address the crises. And so it's a long-winded answer in, in response to your question about arts and culture, but I, but I think that those will be the basis of the future economy. That wraps up this episode. We'll be back with one final episode in this antitrust season next week. If you'd like to hear the full interview with Asher Lozado, we'll be releasing that in its entirety this Saturday. There's a lot around his plans to actually decentralize education um, that we weren't able to fit into this episode, but they're interesting ideas to consider. So please check that out if you're interested. Until next time, I'm Mike Belsito for Michael Saka, and this is Rocketship.fm. Thank you so much for listening to Rocketship.fm. It is your support that keeps the show going. If you can, take a second and leave us a review wherever you listen to podcasts. It helps out the show so much. We're also part of the Podglomerate Network, and if you'd like to listen to more great shows from the Podglomerate, go to thepodglomerate.com to see the full show listings. Rocketship.fm is produced in partnership with Product Collective, a community for product people. Go to productcollective.com and get access to our weekly newsletter, live video interviews, Slack community, product job board, and a whole lot more. Again, just go to productcollective.com.